Grab your popcorn and silence those cell phones because the show is about to start. Rick and Nick Talk Flicks. Rick Blaine is an award-winning film critic featured on TheBigScreen.net.org and has been highlighted on over 75 unreleased independent film posters in less than 12 different countries. Nick Brown. He's been the high school projectionist for the AV Club for over nine semesters and can be heard nightly at the theater talking loudly in the row behind you about the film being screened. And now, they're joining forces. Ladies and gentlemen, Rick and Nick Talk Flicks. It's Rick and Nick Talk Flicks, and we're back a week later than we anticipated. But we are back around once again for another episode of the pod. It's Joel Hoover. And I'm Dave Brooks. And as it's becoming a theme now, we, Joel and Dave, are back for another example of Rick and Nick Talk Flicks. I got a text, no less, this morning. Oh, you did. Nick's got some kind of an abdominal pain, uh, kidney stones, appendicitis, something like that. And Rick just went and saw the new Alien Covenant movie and is convinced it's a hatching xenomorph and refuses to come out until the threat is over. Oh, no. Here we are. So that's why. Because he thinks it's a xenomorph. Who knows? You know Rick. He's just, he's a little off of center, you know? He's the kind of guy that's painting the center lines on the streets where there are no roads, that kind of guy. So okay. who knows? Well, well, we'll deal with it then, I guess, and just see what happens now. But uh, a xenomorph popping out, he really thinks that's going to happen. I think it's an excuse, don't you? I mean, I do you really, really think? I really do think that's a bit of an excuse. Gee, it's yeah. a Monday. I really can't go into work. You know? Yeah, that's what it is. Oh, it's a xenomorph. Exactly. Yep. So we'll we'll deal with it regardless. Uh, it's too bad that they're missing. We've got a pretty good topic that we're going to go into today. We're getting into um, comic books. Yeah, we are going into comic books. Yeah, the cosmic comic clash is what I like to call it with this one today between Marvel and DC. Obviously, there is a glut of superhero movies that is coming out here this year. We tapped into some of them during our 2K17 summer preview that we had a couple of weeks ago. Um, We didn't even get into some of the movies that are coming later this year uh, from both universes. In particular, the Justice League, the first Justice League movie of of all of them coming together that's going to be coming along later this year. Thor is also going to be having a third installment later this year as well. So there are quite a few superhero movies that are on the way this year. So I think it's a good time to take a step back and take stock of where the Marvel versus DC battle is at, how we've gotten to this point, and also what is the future looking like for these two uh, comic book cinema empires. And it's a comic book rivalry that goes and roots to the comics themselves. I mean, they even had a comic crossover where they battled against each other, if I recall that was in the 1990s that they ended up bringing that about. But it's interesting, Dave, because prior to, I think, around 2000, there were scattered instances of comic book movies and TV shows, and all of them were very much their own selves their own entities like take for instance you go back to those campy uh to the campy batman tv show from back in the 60s which would people there are people who loved that show who who loved when it was around or even like i i saw a wonder woman on tv the other day on like me tv i saw an episode of one of wonder woman like an old episode from back then uh or even you still sometimes see the incredible hulk in syndication from back when it was on tv very isolated very different kind of series. It maybe not necessarily tied into the comic books, um, a- a- apart from the characters. But 
those entities were very much on their own back yes. when they first existed. But I think things really started changing in the 90s. I mean, we had the Tim Burton Batman movies that came along. But then things started to become a little more consolidated. And I think what really started to get the ball rolling was actually Marvel doing that, which was surprising is DC had many of those early TV and movie entities. There weren't as many for Marvel, I don't think. Um, but, then D- but then Marvel kind of got the ball rolling indirectly when they started X-Men and got those movies going. And then Spider-Man followed. Again, they were still on their own, but they brought sequels into play then, and sequel after sequel. And then the the idea of the Marvel Cinematic Let's Universe started them together. to follow. Yeah. Well, while we get started, uh, so that's a, that's a very good um, uh, lead-in to how this is going to go. Uh, before we really dig into it, just remind them, we are going to talk spoilers. So if we're going to be talking yes. all the way back to Christopher Reeve Superman, all the way up to Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, spoilers lie ahead because we're not trying to keep the secrets, we're trying to break everything apart. So Just you, fair warning. So fair warning, if you haven't seen a lot of them or specific ones, be aware, we may talk about some things that spoil it. So there's your fair warning. Exactly. But it, it is interesting though, Dave, because I feel like DC has had the lead for had the lead for a while when it came to TV movies. I don't think they were indirectly competing with Marvel or directly competing with Marvel over the first couple of decades, like when when Christopher Reeve's Superman movies were were out back in the 70s. I don't think they were competing. I think they were just trying to create their own products. And then then the the idea came along. I think there's a parallel about, you can look at Star Wars, for example, which really kind of started it figuratively and literally, because for about a good 10 years prior to the 1978 Christopher Reeve's Superman there wasn't much for comic book anything. Probably the Batman series was the closest thing for a long time. Um, so Star Wars came out, and now all of a sudden, all these movies are looking, or these theater companies are looking at what do we have for property that's science fiction, fantasy that could be big, and that's what got Star Trek onto the big screen. And Superman shortly after that made the launch of the big screen. Well, then mm-hmm. you get Superman, really the biggest, most modern superhero movie to that time. Now everything else started to come out. A couple years later, Flash Gordon, you get Superman 2. Uh, all these others started to make Conan the Barbarian. That's a comic book. All started to make their way to the big screen. You got to think somewhere in there, Marvel was trying to launch something too. And if we dug into it, I bet you we could look it up. But since I'm just going off the top of my head, right. you know somebody at Marvel was starting to look into things. Even in the cartoon realm, yeah. I think DC had the lead for several decades. And that I, I think even in the animated realm, DC is still... On top, because they've got quite a following when it comes to animated movies, animated series. Batman in particular has done extremely well animated, and people really have taken a liking to, and even critically, they've gotten great reviews on some of the animated work that they've done when it comes to Batman. But then uh, things really began to change on the big scale in the middle of the 2000s when Marvel decided they wanted to start independently producing their own movies. That, I think, changed the game when they decided they wanted to start doing that. It had been previously, they had worked with several different, they had co-produced with several different studios. They didn't make much of a profit, though, but then this was a profit opportunity if they could start to produce their own movies and be able to do that. And then came the idea for the Marvel Cinematic Universe and beginning to piece together this vision, Kevin Feige, really at the center of putting together this this vision of 
a shared universe of all of these different superhero characters and piecing them together into these big interwoven storylines. And not only that, but bringing in directors who would be able to bring that vision to life, who would be able to blend not only their own ideas, but also being able to mix together the the stories themselves into one big tapestry. I think looking at comic books is a very broad topic. Um, so I think it helps if you break it down a little bit as to specifically what you're looking at, whether it's DC versus Marvel, but even more so than that, if you, as far as the movies go, leaving the comic books, the physical turn page-turning comic books aside, and just looking at the, you could say TV and movie adaptions kind of together, you got to look at a couple different things. One, that's the properties. You know, DC has got its umbrella with Superman and Batman and so forth. Uh, Marvel has got their own with the X-Men, Spider-Man, and so forth. But you also got to look at each iteration when it comes together. Who's behind it? You know, you mentioned Kevin uh, Fiji with with a lot of the Marvel Universe, and he's had a lot to do with it. He's been this hand on the tiller. Well, who's DC's man that is their counterpoint to Kevin? Um, and is there really one? There's been talk that there kind of is, but there kind of isn't. Well, the DC movies right now are kind of struggling. So you got to look at it like that. You got Christopher Nolan get into the DC properties with the Dark Knight trilogy, and he was his own hand on the tiller. Yes. And wow, you could really tell that there was some focus tying all of that together that really reset not just Batman, but all comic books as it went, including the X-Men that were in the run of a long, successful run. Yeah, and keep in mind, too, the Dark Knight came along back in 2008, and it was it was a groundbreaking comic book movie and, and still is regarded in the pantheon of the great comic book movies of all time. But just for the way that the storytelling was done and the deeper themes and the darker tone of it all, um, which has kind of set the tone for DC now and, and the line that they're trying to go, which we'll get into more later. But And keep in mind, that was the same year that Iron Man came out, yeah. and Iron Man did extremely well. People fell in love with Tony Stark and with Iron Man, a character who, yeah, if you knew the comics, you probably knew who Iron Man was. I didn't really know who Iron Man was when the movie came out. And then that movie kind of grabbed everybody by the scruff of the neck and said, Iron Man is here. And then at the end, the end of the movie, like post-credits, you you meet Nick Fury and you start to realize something bigger is brewing here. Then uh, later on that year, not directly tied in, but the Incredible Hulk comes along. Then they've got Iron Man 2 a couple years later. They started slowly. Then Thor came in, then Captain America, and then came the Avengers, which started to piece all of them together for the first time with that Phase 1 of the Avengers. And now they've just they've gone from there, and they've just started to spread and spread and spread. Um, most recently now with Guardians of the Galaxy 2. I mean, talk about going on to sort of the the meta of the the Marvel comic book universe. Oh, they're not really, done. Yeah, and they're not done, but you're really getting into that meta part of it when you when you get into something like Guardians of the Galaxy. That's more on the micro level and yet it is worked in its own way. Well you've got a lot of others that are yet to come. Captain Marvel, they're working on that one. And yep. if I'm not a comic book reader really, I'm really not so I'm asking, I'm not even being uh, facetious or anything, who's Captain Marvel? I know it's a girl. That's Ronda Rousey wanted to play the role. That's right. about all I know. I have no idea who Captain Marvel is. Who and is that's, this wasp that's going to be with Ant-Man? But that's the other thing. You know, a lot of these characters, unless you were an avid comic book reader, you didn't know who they were. I didn't know who, I, I kind of knew who Iron Man was, sort of. I'd never heard of the X-Men before the movies came out. 
Uh, I had no idea about Ant-Man. So you have that built-in disadvantage, you could say, if you don't know who these characters are, why do I want to go see a comic book that I don't know? And some people have gone to see them and been, wow, this was really good. I didn't know anything about Black Panther or whatever. What has worked about those movies, though? What has worked that has kept this this ball rolling? Because I've kept on saying for the longest time, the Marvel bubble is going to burst at some point. To this point, it hasn't noticeably burst. I mean, they are still raking in the dough with the different movies that they have come out with. What has worked for them? Well, think of it on a larger scale. It will, because there's always been through the history of movies and TV and entertainment, some sort of a genre sweep. Back in the 50s and 60s, it was Cowboys and Indians. You know, at some point, Gunsmoke went off the air. Bonanza went off the air. It, it just, the fad wore off. And with the comic books, it's been going on, if you want to say hardcore, just to be pretty conservative, say the last 10 years. It goes back yes. further than that. But the big reboot probably happened with Christopher Nolan's Batman Begins in around 2005, That's I want to say. That's what it was, yep. So let's call it 10 years, roughly. Ever since then, comic books have been, with a gritty, realistic version of comic books, have been the vogue. It's been a decade and a little more than that. At some point, fans are going to catch up and say, you know, every movie, whether it's Thor, whether it's this, have been different properties in kind of the same vein. I'm ready for something different. The bubble will burst. And that's kind of what we've seen with the Marvel movies. With each one of these Marvel characters, when, they have, when they've come out with their first movie, it's, it's this great new thing. It's this new character. It's this new concept. They've always had those different, those different elements that have been a part of it, though. There's a bit of wry humor. Hero pretty much always wins. Nobody has, quote-unquote, lost big time to this point. There's been the psychological effect, which which we've seen in a couple of, especially Age of Ultron. But they've still, I mean, they're still all alive and kicking. They're still all going, and they, they're all still making a big imprint on their particular universe. And and they, they've got very good plot, in the, uh, plot details in the way that they've been able to string it together. It's been... Pretty good for the most part from Marvel, but it's been very consistent yeah. that way, which is not a bad thing. And yet, when you go into the second ones of some of these movies, there hasn't really been anything super new. I think there have been a few exceptions. The Captain America storyline has been pretty good, I feel like, with coming it's been up with tied to more to the Avengers. Yeah. yeah, Iron Man 3 was a really nice turn back around. I think from Iron Man 2 wasn't quite as good, but Iron Man 3 was pretty good. Age of Ultron was not quite as good overall. I, I think uh, many could agree that it wasn't quite as good overall as the original Avengers had been. Even Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 doubled down on a lot of what made Guardians of the Galaxy, the first one, very good without providing anything really that new or earth-shattering that, that it brought to the table, and yet was still good. Yeah. So... Well, you, one thing you brought we're up... We've seen that a bit. One thing you brought up that is absolutely correct is the consistency and that's a lot of the team that's putting it together. Yes. So they, whether you're looking at a Thor or you're looking at a Captain America or you're looking at anything that's just to look at Marvel, for example, they all kind of look the same. You could tell the same team is behind it. At some point, that's going to change. No administration, whether you're talking about uh, entertainment, is going to stay the same. At some point, uh, Robert Downey Jr. is going to say, I'm done with Tony Stark. So will audiences accept the next Tony Stark? You just had right. that happen with Wolverine and Hugh Jackman. He, the, the, the Logan movie is the last time he's going to do it. That's right. So will there be another X-Men movie? Yes, they're already working on it, but it won't involve Hugh Jackman. But will Wolverine be in it? And as somebody else, 
is it like James Bond where you can get the same character and now we're up to what six Bonds? You know, it's more accepted or less accepted than the previous. And will that work? Yeah, it's become a consistent thing with James Bond. People know it. People expect it. They know that it's going to happen at some point. But but could you imagine anybody other than Robert Downey Jr. playing the smarmy, the guy you like to dislike but you love him too much, Tony Stark character? Well, let me ask you this, though, Dave. Do you think anybody could have expected anybody else to play James Bond back when Sean Connery was doing him for the mm. first time in the 1960s? I mean, George Lazenby was only in for one movie, and then back came Connery for another go-round as 007. And then it was only Roger Moore who was able to transition into a a, a very new different Bond. James Bond, a too, very by the different way. James Bond. Yeah, you know, without getting too sidetracked, uh, yeah. Uh, and then you've got the current Daniel Craig, whether he'll do more. He, if you, you can kind of look at Bond as a comic book hero in a way. Um, he is probably the most credible Bond since Connery because he's a big thuggish guy. You yeah. know, he's he's suave, but you could tell he's a polished, jagged stone. You know, and so he fits into the Bond role very much the same way that Sean Connery did. So people that are traditionalists and they like the first version, Daniel Craig is the closest to Connery that there's been since Connery. So when they start recasting these comic book roles, how many big Superman have there been on the big screen beyond Christopher Reeve and Brandon Routh? And now we've got um, uh, Henry Cavill. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so now there's three, and if you look at the Supergirl TV series, you've got um, um, uh, oh I could see his, oh I could see his name and I can't say it. He was in uh, Road to Perdition. He's Superman in, the, in that series, and he's doing a very good job. So you've got a couple of big time guys playing the same character, different versions of it. Tyler Holcomb. Tyler Holcomb. That's is, the guy. Is that yeah. How you say it? Yeah. yeah. Okay. He was uh, Tom Hanks's son in the Road to Perdition. Is the only other real thing okay. I know him in. Um, so you've got a bunch of guys playing the same character, different versions of it. At some point, when will you make a misstep and a miscast? Or have audiences just completely embraced, say, the Robert Downey Jr. version of Tony Stark, right. and there will be no others? Yeah, they, they've hit home runs pretty much to this point. It's, and the other thing that they've made work, for the most part, is that as much as they've extended things into television, which that's where I started to wonder if the bubble would really burst, was when the Marvel TV universe came about. But the more I've read about it, the more that, that you see it, the more you realize that the TV universe, while still tied into the bigger universe, is its own entity. They're not going to try to bring the TV characters into a movie and, and really try to fit all of that together. Because then, as a watch, as a viewer who hasn't seen everything, that makes me go, Oh, great. You're going to make me go back and watch this TV show now to have to get caught up with everything else as well. They've done a good job, I think, of keeping that separate. And and they've made each TV story its own story in a way where you don't have to necessarily watch everything else to really be super caught up. You know, but that also ties in with how intricately involved some of these storylines are. You've seen yeah. it with the Marvel Universe. And even within the Marvel Universe, there are kind of parallel lines. The X-Men are Marvel, but they're not really tying in with what's going on with Spider-Man no. or with the Avengers. Not at the moment. Not no. at the moment. Could it happen? Yeah, it could, because they're all under the same banner. Uh, will you see the X-Men and Superman Although they together? are still owned by Fox, so there true. is there is that element. Yeah, true. You know, But there, you know, could it happen? Yeah, could you get Superman and the X Men? All things are possible. You know, it could yeah. happen. Unlikely, but it could, uh, since you're getting a DC Marvel crossover. But what a great battle royal that would be! Now, speaking of the battle royale, how has DC fallen behind? I think that's the big question that everybody is trying to figure out. How did DC 
allow for this gap to happen where they are just now getting the DC Extended Universe, as it has been called, off the ground? How did this only become something that has come about since 2011? Let me give. Let me break it down into a microcosm, if you'll permit me here. It, you can. Here's a perfect example. Would be the Christopher Reeves Superman movies. All right. You've got pretty much the same team on screen and behind the scenes putting all four of those movies together. Now, Christopher Reeves started with Superman in 1978, going all the way through 1987 with Superman 4. You had the Silkins. They are a father and son producing duo that produced all four of those movies. Um, Richard Donner was very involved in the first and second ones. And if you don't know Richard Donner, he's one of the greats. He had done the Goonies. He had done the first, uh, the four Lethal Weapon movies, so on and so forth. And he did the first and a half Superman movies. And I'll explain. When they were making Superman 1, they were making 1 and 2 simultaneously. So things started to run a little behind schedule. They said, let's just hold off on 2. We'll leave as much done as we've got done. Let's focus on 1 to get it done. And they did. Well, Salkins and uh, Donner did not get along at all. And so before they went back to finish Superman 2, after Superman 1 came out, they fired Donner. And then they reshot a lot of scenes with a new director, Richard Lester. And he went for much more of a campy, slapstick approach. And that's why Superman 1 is a pretty serious movie. It takes the source material very seriously. It does go off in new directions, but it's very faithful. Superman 2 has elements of that, but then you get into the weird slapstick thing where you get yeah. the three villains blowing all of downtown Metropolis and there's guys' ice cream flying off. and That's weird slapstick stuff. That was clearly reshot. Yeah. So you have the same group of people, the Salkins, Christopher Reeve, as Superman through all of it. You got Margot Kidder. You got Gene Hackman. You got a great talent of cast. But... How did Superman start so great and fall off the rails? And that's under one group's watch and not having nothing to do with DC. That's what can go wrong when you start getting Christopher Nolan out of the loop, who really had a good vision and took it seriously, and now you, he's handing the reins over to Zack Snyder as far as Batman and Superman To goes. tie this back into the modern yeah, day context. exactly. Yeah. So you're getting the same kind of group now passing the baton to another group, and it's really the driver of the car that's going to yeah. determine whether the car careens off the road or not. Christopher Nolan was never going to be a part of a long-term type of plan for no. the Justice League anyway, no. though, because he's the kind of guy, this is what makes him such a, a an admirable director in today's context, because he said there's going to be a beginning and there's going to be an ending to this story that I'm putting together for Batman, and he created a beginning and an ending. He tied it together. He closed it off. I yeah. mean, there was a there was room for somebody else to pick up what he had left behind and to carry on the work of it with, you know, with Robin fighting the the Batcave and everything if if people wanted to take that and do it, but it left it at a good ending. There's there's room for something to be done and yet it's an ending. And yeah. you know it's an ending and that's done. Well, it's also a part of what comes organically, you know. Could, could you have picked up the threads from where Christopher Nolan had left them after The Dark Knight Rises? You could have, absolutely. You know, you'd have to deal with the fact that Bruce Wayne may or may not be dead, you know, or not. Uh, will Robin be the new... You know, there's a lot of questions that could have been explored after that. Do you go that route, or do you try to force the characters together like they did with Batman versus Superman? Now, you can make your arguments that The Man of Steel was a great or not a great movie, and Christopher Nolan was very passively involved in that. Would you believe, by the way, Dave, would you believe that Man of Steel was not the movie that they tried to use to kick off the new DC, uh, the DC Extended Universe? Yeah. You know what movie I'm talking about I do. that they wanted to use? I do. Can you believe that Green Lantern 
almost was what kicked off the DC Extended Universe as we now know it. It almost did kick it right off the cliff. Well, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, you know, you get a, you get an example of, now you're trying to talk about organic or not organic. That was a bad cook. You know, there's nothing to say against Ryan Reynolds for playing the Green Lantern. Clearly, oh, he still jokes about it. Clearly, he can do well in a superhero role, had dense Deadpool, and the sequel's coming out. If given the right material, he can do it. Exactly. And the other thing is, he'd played Deadpool before Deadpool, and the movie, the character, it just kind of fell flat because you had other people that didn't know what they had in charge of it. So you have him in an X-Men movie, or basically a Wolverine movie, and it's not the character that you know. They sew his mouth shut and all kinds of stuff. You do it correctly, like Ryan Reynolds absolutely shepherded forward, and then you get a super mega hit. You get mm-hmm. Batman versus Superman, and I, I've seen that movie twice. I still can't really tell you, why did they fight again? And then why did they stop fighting? Because right. both their moms were named Martha? Really? What? Exactly. It he, just was completely yeah. unorganic. Here's the problem that DC has faced. Number one, they are behind, and they know they are behind with the extended universe. So number two, consequently, they are having to expedite their process of of putting together this this plan. And actually, there's a, a good article about why Marvel is crushing DC regarding this. And DC and Warner Brothers... Are, are trying to basically, one of the lines said this, you are trying to rush a multi-billion dollar deal and uh, idea, and you cannot do that. You no. cannot rush a multi-billion dollar idea is what they say, and I think that that hits it square on the money, and that's yeah. what DC is trying to do here. They are trying to rush the Justice League along in order to catch up to what Marvel has already done, and in doing so, they have lost their plan of what our vision is going to be. You can tell with the Marvel movies, however you may feel about how they have done things. If you think that it's if if you think it's too cheesy, if you don't think it's serious enough, um, or if you love it and love the way that they piece it together, you cannot deny that there is clearly a plan that is in place with what the Marvel movies have done to this point. There is a plan, as bland and vanilla as it is at times, because it is almost too consistent with the way that they've done it. There isn't really anything that they've done that has been like, whoa, this is this is a shock to the system. They've kept things consistent, though. DC, they're, they're kind of, they're choppy, they're all over the place. And it, the, this, the disappointing thing, Dave, is that there are moments where when I watch Man of Steel, when I watch Dawn of Justice, there are moments that look great. There are moments that sound great. Like some, some of the bigger ideas that they're coming up with, like, a bit of a darker tone, some of the themes that they've come up with for it. I thought that with a couple of tweaks, Batman versus Superman could have been so much better if they if they tweaked some of the characters and the way that they were portrayed, and if they tweaked the way that it was all presented. Because some of the themes were really good that they delved into, but it just was trying to do way too much. They tried to speed the process up way too quick, quickly within one movie, and it showed. Well, just to use a, as a microcosm, Batman v Superman. Um, for one, they were very disloyal to the just the basic character traits of Superman. Superman is not about dark and gritty as much as they want to make superhero movies dark and gritty. Man of Steel, I wouldn't say it was too dark and gritty, but it was you know lighter in tone. Superman is the complete antith- as, as the complete opposite of Batman, where Batman lives in the shadows and, li- and just he is the shadows. But Batman or, or Superman rather, he's the light. He is what we all could aspire to be. Right. And so when you try to make him kind of the bad guy, 
Maybe through Superman or maybe through Batman's eyes. You're quoting you can. Jor-El there, aren't you? Sort of. <laughs> you know, but that's the truth of it. You know, you're supposed to be a guiding light for mankind to follow. That's what Superman is. Yeah. Now, when you make Superman dark, he better have touched tainted kryptonite like Superman 3, and then you get good versus bad Superman or bizarro Superman. If you want to do that, fine. But you can't take pure, unaltered you know, Superman and make him dark and say he's true to the source material yeah. because he's just not. So if it would have worked better to make maybe Batman the bad guy because even in Christopher Nolan's trilogy, according to the police, he kind of was the bad guy. Even visually, Zack Snyder's vision for what yeah. the the scenery would look like, for what the for what the battles would look like within within those first two movies, it was just it was just too much. It was just too there was too much going on. There wasn't much of a consistency to it, and that that made it really rough as well with the way that he put it together. He has ridden the coattails of two movies in his career, 300 and Watchmen. Yeah, He has ridden the coattails of those two movies to where he is at right now, and he has not proven that he can that he can do this consistently and make a good comic book movie to this point. How he has been given these opportunities over and over again amazes me that he is still putting this together. I think Zack Ryder owes everything to a visual aesthetic. You know, 300, I've seen I've seen all these movies. I didn't think Watchmen was very good at all. It visually looked fantastic. If I had the movie on mute, I'd probably think it was a great movie. Same with 300. I think it's a cool story. It's based loosely in history. Loosely. Loosely. Yep. But it looks great. It looks like it was made on it's an based Apple. based more in the comic than Oh, anything. yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's it's not that great of a movie. And so you start getting into the comic book stuff. I thought Man of Steel was probably his best comic book movie, and even that movie was flawed. But, you know, the, the Batman-Superman movie, it just it fell on so many levels. I think Affleck did a great job. I think Gal Gadot did a great job as Wonder Woman, and she'll do good this summer. Um, That's we'll, coming up here in a few weeks. We'll get into that We'll later. talk about that yeah. in a second. But you're giving the tiller to a guy thinking that the product is going to look good, and that's a big problem with the tentpole movies Will it look good, or is it just going to be a really polished piece of something bad? And that's the problem. If, as yeah. long as it looks good, I'm not just watching this movie on mute. I'm in surround sound, which means I can hear the dialogue. I can hear all the stilted things. It needs to be good, not just look good. And that's where Zack Snyder does not stand very strong on his own two legs. It's amazing, too, what that movie has done to the DC Extended Universe as far as the planning. I mean, you think about last year... Batman oh, vs. Superman, board, yeah, yeah, it comes out time. in March. Suicide Squad then followed in August, which didn't do well either. I mean, it won an Oscar. Yeah, <laughs> which but it was visually it stunning. Won, it won an Oscar. Um, but it has forced a massive restructuring. I mean, there are a lot of moving parts that have happened. Um, there's now a DC Films unit that exists at Warner Brothers now. Jeff Johns, John Berg have been put together as the guys who are going to be as, as the head of that. Um, there are a couple of other people have been moved out of, of the running of things there within DC. I mean, they have done a lot of changing because they're realizing they're realizing a couple films too late that there needs to be an overall plan in place. It, I think they have they have worked really hard to double down on what Marvel has done, which is give each director who runs each movie their own creative license to run with whatever their idea that they have here is. And yet they are realizing that there needs to be a reign that they keep tied on to that director as well. You need to have some kind of leash of, we got to fit this within some kind of plan here. We've got to make sure that 
we know what we're getting after. Like, if I were in the DC drawing room, I would say, let's sit down and let's figure out what principles our movies are going to hit on. Much like what Marvel has done. Let's figure out what principles we want each of these movies to do. Do we want to go a little bit darker? Because you look at the Justice League previews, they're getting more into the humorous realm by the looks of it. And, and this is a bit of a strange shift because we've had a couple movies that have gone one way. And now we have this this coming together movie that looks like it's going to be something entirely different. Is it going to be a darkly humorous movie that they're going to do like that? It's too soon to tell, but it's clear that the tone is changing. And you brought up a point. You just that... hope that they're not doubling down on we're going to go all in on the action here to try to correct our previous mistakes. You've got to remember that the plot element matters a lot, and Marvel had not lost sight of that even with the other elements that they've had that have defined their movies. Well, to take even further what you said, there needs to be a, a threading together. Yes, but it's not so much about they need to have a plan. I mean, you do, of course, but you need to do it right. You know, the point yes. that I brought up earlier, if you're going to completely betray your source material, like Superman in the last movie, that was not any Superman I've ever I'm not saying I've never read a Superman comic. It's not that I don't understand what it is, but I understand what Superman is, and what he was in that movie is not what I've ever learned him to be. You know, if he, he's not a bad guy unless he's tainted in some way, right? And he wasn't in that movie. It was just a fear of what for Batman what he could become, and that's what made him the bad guy. And that's just not good enough. So if your plan is to betray your source material, you've already shot yourself in the foot. So really, what's a comic book? It's a lot of the time, depending on the source material, lighthearted fun. So that's what they really ought to be. Now, if you're going to go the the gritty, dark route, Batman's a perfect fit for that. So was the Dark Knight trilogy uplifting and up? No. It had humor to it, but that's not what it was. It fitted in in the just enough yeah. that, that there were still elements of it that existed there, but it, there wasn't a a ton of it. That it was, was comic relief from the heavier moments. Spider Man, you know, the Tobey Maguire versions are a perfect example up until Spider Man Three, anyway, where it got a little too overbalanced with the comedy, where it was some serious heavy themes with a lot of jovial fun. You know, yeah. it's got to be a good mix like that because that's what the character was. So depending on what your character is and what your source material is, you have to do it right. And if DC is figuring it out that they're betraying their source material for one, it's too dark, it's too gritty. Particularly Which I where... think the dark element can really work, and that's where they can separate themselves from Marvel. If they want to go a more serious route, just don't double down on it to the extent that they have tried to do to where it becomes almost too brooding and there's no fun. Well, because they're following the template that Christopher Nolan did. If he made it dark and gritty, that's what it should be. That wasn't for all of them. You can't paint Wonder Woman as the same paintbrush as you did with Batman or Superman or anybody else. They are their own thing, and that's what Marvel has done right. Each one brings their own flavor. You don't try to cover over the flavors of the other with the flavor of one. Tony Stark is the dominant personality for the Avengers, but you still get Thor true to himself. You still get Captain America true to themselves. It's how they play off of one another. If dark is where Batman lives and the light is where Superman lives, there's your interplay. That's what right. makes them so dynamic together. But when you paint Superman in the brush that you paint Batman, it doesn't work. And that's what they need to figure out. And that's, hopefully they are. Now, speaking of that, let's build that into Wonder Woman, yeah. which is coming out here on June 2nd. Have you heard or seen early reviews that have been coming? Yes. Now, we talked about it on an earlier podcast. There were some unnamed uh, people involved. I can't say who they were because I don't know who they were. They were saying, look, this could really be bad. This could be on the vein of Batman, Superman, but worse. Well, whether that's true or not, or whether it was true, and they really said, look, we're about to release a bomb here. We can still fix it. 
Now they're having their first screenings of the movie to some of the circuits, and the reviews that are coming out now are the complete opposite. They have been very, Superb very good. is the term. Yeah, and these are, again, these are early reviews. We're, it's June, June 2nd when it's coming out, so we've still got... Two weeks. Uh, uh, just under two weeks for this to really continue to to build some steam here and then we'll we'll start to see how things are looking next week in particular. I mean, even for our show next week, we'll really get a sense of how things are looking perhaps if they start to let that embargo on the reviews go, but there are some there are some who are saying this is one of DC's best movies. There are others who are saying that it's it's a really really terrific movie overall. There's some very good reviews that are coming along here which I'm excited for because one, I think Gal Gadot as as Wonder Woman is that's a home yeah. run. I thought she was one of the the best parts of Batman versus Superman. Her reveal, just her character in general, the theme music that they put with her as well, a lot of really good things. I mean, she almost stole that movie from the, Batman and Superman. Yep. Really? For those who have been looking for a female superhero, I mean, this there is that's another big big thing that people are very excited about. That's going to be coming along here. That looks like it's got it's got a lot of promise to it. So. This is going to be very important for DC, how this movie does, because this is the last bridge between what they've done so far and the upcoming Justice League movie that is coming out later this year. And then from beyond that, we've got The Batman, which is coming in the near future. Allegedly, yeah. Yes. Uh, we've Some backpedaling on that. Has there been? How how recent? Well, Ben Affleck originally, you know, he's Batman. He was going to write the movie. He was going to direct the movie. Now he's not directing the movie. Now there's still some question as to how much writing in the movie he's he going to do. Right. Um, so yeah. there is some backpedaling. And if it's really backpedaling, if it's getting what they, in theater talk they're talking to turn around, then all bets are off and they could just torpedo everything, including even Ben Affleck as Batman. It's possible. Yeah. Um, he will be in the new Justice League movie, of course. Right. But will there be Ben Affleck Batman beyond that? If this the Batman movie continues to get reshelved, then maybe not. But you do bring up a good point with the Wonder Woman leading into Justice League. If you if this movie does not deliver, if it's not entertaining and if it's widely panned, if the damage is already done, then Justice League when it arrives in November, right? November seventeenth, it's going to sink at the dock. That's that's going to be just super crippling for where they're trying to go because after that they've got Aquaman in mind they've got Shazam Cyborg and the Green Lantern Corps they're going to try to bring Green Lantern back then again uh, further down the line there's a Justice League sequel that that they're going to have coming along that I think um, has been pushed well they've planned on pushing it back to make room for the Batman at least originally they were going to hard to know at this point what their their plan from there is going to be but this year is really going to shape the future for the Justice League and DC movies. They need to do well with these. I want them to do well with these. I want to see what this vision might look like if they are able to get a plan together. But first of all, they've got to have that plan in mind so that their directors, their individual directors, they've got Patty Jenkins who's ready to go here mm-hmm. with Wonder Woman, and, and people are very excited to see what she's going to do stepping into the director's chair for this this movie what is Zack Snyder going to do with his? Uh, he's like a cat. Hopefully he's got nine lives. He's got an, walk. He's been given another life here to do Justice League. What's he going to do with it? We're going to find out in a couple months, and then from there, you know, we'll see what happens with with Aquaman. Now we're going to start to get into those meta characters in the Justice League universe, much like with Marvel. Marvel, their meta characters have done very well 
What will that look like for DC? I think that really depends on how well these movies do, how well those those individual character movies will then do, because they've pulled in a lot of money have DC for these these first two movies that they've that they've put out for Man of Steel and then with Batman versus Superman. But now it's time to deliver as far as the the creative spin that they're putting on things. I think actually, and this is just my prediction, I think uh, DC is going to start to get it back. I do. Uh, I can't speak on the Justice League. We're I, hopeful on we're that. We're hopeful, certainly. but it's starting with Wonder Woman. There was some early the buzz that was saying, "Oh, this could be bad." It's not too late to fix it. It sounds like they've been doing that, whether yeah. it's, whether it's editing or whatever it is. Uh, but it sounds like it's going to be a better result. Will Justice League follow that example? Will they learn from past mistakes? I am optimistic that they will. But I think what's going to happen is the rug is going to get pulled out from underneath all these plans. You need to have a good, strong, solid launch before you can support it with all these meta characters. They did that with Avengers. So now you can bring in Ant-Man and Black Panther. They're hopefully going to do this with Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman into the Justice League so they can start launching Aquaman and so forth. But now, just looking at the box office from a theater-goer's perspective, every other movie that's going to be coming out will be some sort of a comic book movie, whether it's DC, Marvel, or an original like like Kick-Ass or somebody. It's going to be a whole different thing enough and so by the time they just get launched into something good will the fans have an appetite anymore that's the big question perhaps that's the best way to close out this discussion about the comic book movie universe is that we have this cosmic battle that it feels like is now beginning to gain steam between these two comic book entities how long are fans going to care how long what is your guess how long will it be until the bubble really does burst i think it's starting to because there was a long time for comic book movies didn't matter really what it was it was going to do respectable and the fans would come out fervent in defense of it even if it didn't do great well you're starting to see some fans turning against their favorites you know you're starting to see superman fans yelling at batman superman like i was like we were talking about um you know batman had gone off on a great send-off with christopher nolan and while i do like ben affleck's portrayal of batman and batman superman it's not what it was and so it's taken a step back, and so you're starting to see fans starting to turn on things. What about the Marvel Fortress? That's going to happen, too. You've got some some great tent poles like, like uh, Deadpool, for example, but you're starting to see a changing of the guard with things like X-Men. So if you're going to do more X-Men movies, they did the reboot with the first class, and then they tied it in with the original X-Men. Now you've got Patrick Stewart stepping away. You've got uh, you've got uh, 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 oh Hugh Jackman stepping away, and they're not the only ones. There are a lot of them are going to step away. Sir Ian McKellen's Ian McKellen's old. done. Yeah. Now they're going to be stepping away, and if they're going to do another X Men movie, are you going to use the Jennifer Lawrence and uh, McAvoy cast with the first class? Doesn't sound like it. You know how many times can you go into that well before they just look? It's that's not working. Right. You know, at some point, and I bet you within 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 five years, and I think we're starting to see the first cracks. Um, Cowboys movies, western movies. Here's your example. They were huge in the fifties and sixties. That's a good nowadays. Tie back to what you brought up earlier. Nowadays, how many westerns do you see? And if you talk to people that know movies. Westerns are poison. They just don't tend to do that well at the box office, despite the fact that some of them are really, really good. Unforgiven with Clint Eastwood, great movie, won Oscars, won Best Picture. Uh, Open Range with Kevin Costner, great movie, kind of an underrated movie because it's a Western. And that still hasn't recovered. That might be what ends up extending superhero movies out further. And if you want to bring Unforgiven into it, because that was a different kind of Western yeah. than, than what had been previously seen. 
Comic book movies, it feels like, are starting to try to tap into that same type of thinking. We've got to do something different if we're going to extend the life of this. Logan did that. Deadpool did that. Yeah. Go go super gritty. Dive into the rated R category a little bit. If if it works, if the source material fits, and if, if this works. Now, it was my own taste. I didn't like the way that they did it quite as much with Logan. I thought it. I thought it was powerful. I thought it was uh, with the way that they went into that. But I thought, as far as the the grittiness with the violence and and the language and the content, it worked. It was it it worked, but it was a bit. It was too much. It felt like for me. It felt like they were kind of doing it to do it. And Deadpool kind of struck me the same way a little bit. That's the risk you run when you go that route. Is that maybe it is too much? But that's their way of at least tapping into something new and different than what we've seen before. And that might be ultimately what helps comic book movies prolong their demise, whenever it may be. Yeah, you, you need to be true to your source material, like we said. You can kind of go into hyperdrive with the source material. Uh, the gritty violence and language works for Wolverine. That's it not, works for Yeah, that's Batman, not to say maybe. that works for every character, yeah, though. You yeah. could not do that with Superman. So nope. if, if comic books, they're not just for kids anymore. But if there's, let's say there's 20 comic books in existence, that's all there are. One of them is the gritty one. How many can you do gritty? How many are going to hit overdone, you know, sugar, syrupy, sweet comic book like Superman? At some point, you hit that limit. I mean, look what happened with the Joel Schumacher and Tim Burton Batman franchise. It started off pretty darn good. You couldn't yes. go anywhere and not see that bat shield. But by the end, with George Clooney, Batman, and Robin, now you got, well, they got nipples on the bat suits. And I mean, everything went wrong with that. Right. It just went completely off the rails to the point that it almost killed not just Batman, but the superhero franchises, all of them, almost straight out. There was a while that there weren't really much of anything until X-Men came out in 2000. And while I love the X-Men movies, that one I kind of think was a foul tip. I didn't think the first one was that great. It was good, but it wasn't great. X2, great movie. Yes. So you got to do them. You got to do them well. And that's starting to be learned. But they're just getting burned out. There's just too many of them. That's the problem that they may ultimately face: is that too much of a good thing can be too much of a good thing. We talked about that with all these sequels that we're seeing here this summer at the movies. Moviegoers tire of it at some point. You've got to come up with new ideas as well. Even if you are hitting the box office pretty well, how many butts are in the seats? Not as many as there used to be, even if the money is coming in because the price to go is higher than it's ever been. So, well, We've already talked about that in the last episode, episode yeah. three, the theater-going experience. So what are we going to see in the next five years with the comic book movies? That is going to be the big question. Can this be sustained? It's been quite a ride. What's going to happen after the Infinity War movies that are on the way here for Marvel and after this upcoming Justice League movie for DC? That remains to be seen, but it should be pretty fascinating and to see how these movies do. We'll keep an eye on Wonder Woman as that's coming along. Here's something else I'll throw in just to give you a curveball. Since there's so much comic books, DC, Marvel, all of it, look what Star Wars is starting to do. They're doing not just the episodes, and Episode Eight coming out, and The Last Jedi will be coming out this Christmas, Every year that there's not an episode, there's an in-between. They're starting to map out the future for that. Can you not see an expanded universe kind of all linked together, different Star Wars things? So will this fatigue for the franchise, for comic book heroes, could that be in line for Star Wars down the road? Not yet, but could you see it happening? Not even Star Wars, I don't think, is beyond that. Nothing's immune. It's true. So let's see what happens. It'll be an interesting ride, and hopefully they end it on a high note and say, look, let's just take a break. And rather than just be drummed out of the theaters. That would be that would be criminal. 
I'm checking my phone. It looks like Nick is making a recovery. Oh, I think the they're alien burst. To, I think, yeah, I think they're trying to stagger in. Rick hasn't confirmed that it's happened, but we may have to batten down the hatches in here. We'll at least get ready for next week. We're going to turn around and have a quick episode for you again next week. Content to be determined, though. But Stick we'll, around, fans. That's right. Rick and Nick will be back next week, maybe, well, and we'll be back around again with the podcast. How many bouts of appendicitis can there be in one building? Maybe you should speak on this. Maybe not. <laughs> Who's to speak on that? We'll be back, though, sooner than you know it. This has been Rick and Nick Talk Flicks. I'm Joel Hoover. I'm Dave Brooks. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. We'll see you at the movies.